You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. If you brought your Bibles this morning, uh, we want to turn to the book of Judges. Book of Judges. Book of Judges, chapter 6. Hallelujah. And uh, we're going to be reading. from uh, verse 36 through to 40, out of the book of Judges, chapter 6. Hallelujah. As I was uh, sitting down writing this sermon, looking for inspiration, uh, it's amazing at how luck fell on me. And uh, I was already considering, and of course we don't believe in luck, there's no such thing as it, but... In light of the sermon, uh, this lady walked past me wearing a t-shirt that said, Make today your lucky day. The problem with what she was promoting on her t-shirt was that she was walking slumped over, sour face, miserable. And I couldn't help but think, you are a terrible advocate for luckiness. Terrible representation for what luck would represent. They say they define luck as success or failure apparently brought by chance rather than through one's own actions. And so in other words, it's just, well, you know what, today um, my car started, luck's on my side. Or today, you know, uh, I, I found this $2 coin and so it's my lucky day. I better go buy a scratch and win or, you know, someone's done something for you. And this, for whatever reason now, without anyone's thought or action, it is luck is on your side. But the truth is, is that luck isn't real. It is made up so that mankind today can search for or find some sort of joy in uh, the possibility of something good going their way. In the story of Gideon, there is the sign of the fleece. And I have to say this, that this scripture alone has been one of the few scriptures that has been taken out of context by many Christians today. The sign of the fleece, we are going to read where Gideon tests God in by which putting out a fleece and seeing if God would move upon keeping that fleece dry or wetting that fleece and therefore by that sign he would be able to do the will of God. Many people begin to use this passage of scripture as a way of excuse by just throwing it out without any action, any forethought, any consideration, uh, purely looking at more at luck rather than uh, an action faith. And so I want to preach to you a sermon entitled Lucky Day out of the book of Judges uh, chapter uh, uh, 6 this morning. We're going to be reading from verse thirty. Uh, 6 through to 40, hallelujah. The Bible says these words, So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, 
as you have said. I want you to just focus on that. Let me read that again. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, Look, I, will put, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And it was so when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece and a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. Lucky day. I want to look firstly this morning and consider a random event. Now they say that, you know, people today are in search of luck. And I propose to you the fact that instead of it being luck, it's more or less just plain laziness. They're waiting for a random bouts of luck that would change their circumstances, uh, whether it be finding some money on the floor or stumbling into a large inheritance. This is why many people are swindled out of their life savings because all of a sudden they get an email from a, uh, a long lost relative that offers them uh, uh, an uh, you know, incredible amount of money and they think, well, this is my lucky day. Finally, luck has fallen on my side. And this is exactly the day I've been waiting for. Can we consider this morning whether it's actually luck or just plain laziness? See, this anticipation they feel that would one day come and set off a chain reaction that all of a sudden because luck has fallen on your side, now something else good will happen and you want to keep this momentum going so that luck never leaves you. And so we have this imprint in our minds that begins to motivate us to look for these alleyways of luck that are there, that we don't want to walk past and miss out because luck can strike at any uh, can strike at any moment uh, and we have to be ready for it uh, so we don't miss out now i have to say that this mentality no doubt can bleed into uh, the church world today that we feel as though uh, uh, you know we're praying uh, hopefully god is happy with us today, that He blesses us today, that all of a sudden it's like, uh, if I just have the right formula, the right uh, ingredients, uh, maybe God would smile upon me today and my circumstances will uh, uh, change. We pray with the mentality that we're approaching a, a God that's already frustrated at us for everything we've ever done wrong in our lives. Uh, and so we have to walk on eggshells to make sure we don't disappoint Him any more than He already is uh, because our life is nothing but a disappointment. Uh, and so we have this mentality where at any moment, uh, the one that gets blessed, they're lucky. They must have prayed, or oh, God loves them a little bit more than me, uh, and so therefore uh, I don't have uh, uh, what I want because God has not smiled upon me today. 
Wasn't it Cain that heard from God uh, that God spoke to him, if you do not do right, will you not be accepted? See, life doesn't consist of random uh, a random event. It's not just a, 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 a you know just walking through life and everything just somehow falls into place. Uh, the truth is, life is to be lived uh, not based on reaction but action. And as Christians, we are working in accordance to God's already spoken word, His established will. Let me read to you Judges 6.36. The Bible says, So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And let me just paraphrase a little bit here. You know, we have the message translation. And so, uh, you know, let me just add a little bit more to it. Michael's translation here he says he as you have already said and he's already spoken this and Gideon makes record of that not once but twice that he says you've already spoken this you've already said you're going to deliver God's people through me but I just want to make sure and so what you have to understand is that this is not a random event. This is not something that Gideon was engaging in with optimism and hopefully, you know, some sort of favor that is ungrounded. Listen, God had already spoken this. And just like many of us, we are like Gideon. There are so many variables. We feel maybe I'm probably not going to be up for the task. And so I just want to be sure to be sure to be sure. God speaks and he waits for us to follow in his instructions. This is not just a random event. This is not about, this is not a, a scripture that says, you know what, should I buy this puppy? Lord, give me a sign. No, no, no. He's already spoken this before. He's already said it. And Gideon, like many of us, he's unsure about maybe the exact, how, you know, how things are going to transpire. But it has already been spoken. Think about the widow at Zarephath. The Bible says God had already commanded the widow to take care of the prophet Elijah. And so you have the already spoken word. You find this also in the New Testament where Peter sees Jesus out in the water and he says, Lord, command me to come to you. And so you have to recognize this is not random events. This is not waiting upon luck to strike and we just somehow were at the right place at the right time. This has already been spoken and now we are actioning our faith in the direction that God has already lined out for us. Now it is insanity or insanity can be defined as people leaving life's most crucial circumstances to chance. In other words, there's a woman, let's just say for instance, she's a young lady, she wants a Christian husband, but instead of actually praying or considering, I'm just, I'm just hoping the right man will come, the right man will come along. Or it's the young man who's, you know, single and he's, but he, he, I want a good Christian woman, but he, 
he does nothing. He doesn't go to the prayer room. He doesn't pray. He doesn't seek God. He doesn't strive for anything. And so how do you feel that's going to just somehow fall upon your lap, given to you? Oh, well, it must be God if it's coming across my paths. Our worlds collided. Listen to me. It's not just a random event. You can't leave luck to it or by chance I'm going to get that promotion or I'm going to be blessed in my own home or my children will be disciplined or we will be faithful in our marriage. Listen, it is insane to consider that it's just a random event by which we step into and somehow God moves on our behalf. Because the truth is, if that's how we think, when things don't go our way, we lose heart, we get disappointed, we give up, we never try again. See, not everything you do and try for the first time works perfectly. And you have to understand that it's an action. We ought to put faith into action in order to be able to see what God has for our lives. I want to look secondly this morning at the orchestrator. Because see, God is the orchestrator of life. And it's hard to fathom that God actually is always in control. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. We can be very skeptical when it comes to embracing this mentality. Especially when we understand that he holds all things in his hands uh, and uh, can at any moment release uh, and uh, bring it to pass. We're more prone to making a meal out of most situations. Everything we have done uh, is an, uh, you know, can become an epic disaster. On the odd occasion, we pass by the skin of our teeth. And I remember growing up like this at school uh, that, uh, you know, I wouldn't study for a test or I wouldn't uh, read the book that we were supposed to read in English. And then I would have to sit an essay and write, a, 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 you know, an essay about the book that I was supposed to have read and just kind of winging it and bringing very generic uh, uh, things into play like this character, you know, he was very optimistic uh, and he liked to get into trouble uh, and it normally, you know, and you just kind of make things up from reading the back uh, of the of the book uh, but the truth is is that uh, generally those all those, those occasions led to great failure just this week I helped one of the young guys I work with to finally get his open license and the moment that he was brought up in smoko you know why are you going to get your open license and he said look I've been driving with a manual car on an automatic license and so I'm, I'm there, firstly, I'm saying, that is the most silliest thing you could ever do. But then as soon as I spoke out, all of these little weeds came out of the ground. I haven't had my license for 25 years, and I haven't done this. And, I, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, you should be in jail. You should be locked up. What are you doing? And so I turned to my friend who I'm trying to speak common sense into him. I said, what you're doing is a great thing. Because if at any reason you hit someone, you're going to jail. You're going to face a massive fine. You have no insurance. There is, you know, this is insane. Oh, I've been doing this. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not luck that you haven't been caught. <laughs> That's coming. 
The truth is, is that why isn't all of a sudden it's thrown aside as if these things are random events? Now, our approach to life needs to be one of common sense. It's one that we must consider correctly. What we have to understand is that our Christian walk is reliant on our submission to God as the orchestrator. The book of Judges is a very heartbreaking book because you begin to read it and uh, it is after the death of Joshua that now the leadership in the children of Israel is compromised. That the Bible says that they made kings for themselves and rulers for themselves uh, and men who rose up, uh, who led the people of God away from the morals and the standards that had delivered them from their slavery for hundreds of years. And because of that neglect, uh, the children of Israel faced repeatedly uh, being oppressed, uh, being judged. That's why it's called the book of Judges. All these men had to rise up and God will bring these deliverers. But throughout that, God's people were being judged for following false gods and worshipping them and you know, leading people astray. And so here is Gideon. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord came to him. And in verse 13 of our text, he says, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, Why then has all this happened to us? Now, let me just pause there. How many times have we heard those words? Well, if God's really real, then why are all these bad things happening to me? If God really cares and He loves, then why is there so much pain and some hurt? And we put the emphasis back on God. You orchestrated this, God. Let me read on. And where, where are all the miracles, all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So instead of it saying, this is our fault, we've done this to ourselves. This is your fault, God. You wanted this to happen. You want me to suffer. You want me to struggle. You want me to be without. That's the kind of God that you are. How many ever heard that? How many ever felt that? How many ever wrestled with those emotions? You're the reason why I'm not happy in my marriage. You're the reason why I don't have the finances that I want to have. You're the reason why. But see, what we understand is that Gideon couldn't register the fact that he and all the children of Israel had been fighting against the orchestrator. They were fighting against the will of God. They were fighting against the one who can bless. Let's consider some of the orchestrated works of God. God writes down commandments, and these commandments are there for us to follow. And the children of Israel would have, been insti- would have had this instilled in their lives as they were growing up. The Ten Commandments is something that we reference from today. Remember, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. And so we know that the Lord just exposes our shortcomings. We can't be saved by f- completing the Ten Commandments because none of us can. 
at some point we violate these. But let's just look at the first uh, couple that the Bible says, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. So right at the beginning, the first God that you have to serve in order for you to be blessed uh, needs to be the one true God. Uh, and right there, the children of Israel fail. And yet he has the audacity to say, why have you done to this to us? Where are all the miracles that our forefathers spoke about? There he reasoned with his own, you know, with his own action saying, you know what, this is justified. How we behave today. And yet you violated God by not serving him completely. What about honoring your father and your mother? Think about this. He failed again. By grievance, Gideon begins to speak his mind and makes a remark that contradicts everything that he is try, trying to achieve in his own life. He says, you know, where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? And so, in other words, he's saying these these. Parents of ours lied to us. They maybe elaborated or spoke, uh, uh, you, know, you know, way out of term and out of context. God didn't really part uh, the Red Sea. He didn't uh, help us cross the Jordan. All these things didn't really happen. In fact, the fish wasn't that big. It's actually only that big. And somehow, there's dishonor. There's no honor to the father of the previous generation think about it how that contradicts exactly what's happening there are christians that want the blessing of god how many want the blessing of god we want to prosper we want to be free we want to be delivered and experience the breakthrough that jesus christ provides and yet we are working against god and even against receiving our own blessings because of how we look at him see our faith starts and ends with god at the center hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despite the shame and he has sat down at the right hand uh, of the throne of god jeremiah 29 11, for i know the thoughts that i think towards you says the lord Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Matthew 6, 13, uh, 33, sorry. But, speak, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So you have to understand uh, that life isn't left to chance, but rather placed in perfect place, accordance to God's will. If we are not working at or if we are not seeing the blessings and the prosperity that God promotes and promises, maybe it's time to consider our own lives. See, God doesn't leave it to chance. There are tells to those who are working against the will of God. Number one, you can tell if someone is working against the will of God because they are frustrated and they're not in action. So they're in action and frustration. Gideon wasn't happy where he lived. 
He wasn't happy where he was situated. And so his frustration was bleeding out. He didn't see it as, well, maybe I need to change something in me. Maybe there's a reason why you didn't get that promotion. Maybe there's a reason why you haven't got a good marriage. Maybe there's a reason why your children are out of control. And maybe your frustrations need not to be on somebody else, but back on yourself. His frustrations led him to inaction. Wasn't it Saul who the Bible says was called by God? And yet instead of doing the will of God, he was fighting against the church, grabbing the new Christian members and throwing them into prison. And Jesus stops Saul in his tracks and says, you know what, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. He's frustrated. Frustration and it leads to inaction. Number two, another tale that someone is working against the will of God is doubt and unbelief. Now all of a sudden God speaks directly to Gideon in our text. I am going to use you. And Gideon's like, you know what, I'm, I'm not that strong. I don't feel I can do this. He goes, but I'm still going to use you. And all of a sudden he responds, all right, well, let me just check this. Let me throw that fleece out. He's already spoken it. That means it's going to come to pass and you're still doubting and unbelief. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Just consider that for a moment. Why are you confused? If God has spoken it, that it's for you to action it. It's for you to put it into practice. If God says, you know what, I'm challenging you, give. And you go, oh, you know what, I don't feel that's of God. You could be missing out. God's challenging to rise up and be used and be a disciple. And there's something there, well, I don't know if this is the right church or he's the right pastor. There are all these things, it's like you're missing out on what God is trying to do. And here the whole question is, why are you confused when God isn't the author of confusion? It's the simplicity of the gospel. Number three, someone who's working against the will of God acts and behaves in hesitation and isolation. Why? Why do we retreat? Why do we enclose ourselves? I don't want to trust anybody. I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through right now. This is just me. This is my issue. I need to deal with this by myself. And through that hesitation, isolation comes. Gideon finds himself. The Bible says the angel of the Lord calls him a mighty man of valor, a strong man, a warrior power and authority and he's questioning that he doesn't see it he's not aware of it but see that's what happens when you're working against the will of god so i'm going to look thirdly in closing at being prepared because a hallmark of being in the will of god and understanding god as the orchestrator 
is a heart of expectancy. That because we are in the will of God, we know that God is going to move on our behalf when we pray, when we seek Him, when we contend for the supernatural. The devil aims to shoot down any hope uh, that we may have. Think about Job. The Bible says, Job 6, 11, What strength do I have uh, that I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? Here is Job. He's questioning his own existence. And yet when you read right at the beginning, God speaks about Job and says, there is no one like Job. He sees something completely different to who Job sees about himself. And this is a hallmark of a reality of the God that we serve. The hope is that God has something for us. He sees strength. He sees dominion and blessing and power in us. That is the hope, even though we don't see it in ourselves. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isn't that profound? That here is God. He's saying there is a supernatural dimension that you are not aware of. There is a capability. And it's amazing at how we, regu- we, we, we rarely know exactly what we can endure in life. We think we just give up. You know, if anything goes bad, that's it. It's over. Forget it. But no, no, no. You can endure. And you can rise above. And you'll be amazed at what God can do through through your life. Quit writing yourself off. Quit writing the blessings and uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the joy that God has for your life uh, by assessing things incorrectly. In fact, begin to have a heart of expectancy. See, we are all called to do, sorry, we are all called, what we are called to do is to become prepared for when God moves. There are two areas that we can do this. And many times what happens is as a Christian, we either focus more on one than the other. The Christian life is a balance of the physical and the spiritual. Can anybody say amen? We can agree with that, right? So it's not just all, I'm just going to pray about it and not do anything. And it's not just, I'm just going to do everything and not pray about it, right? And generally what happens is many times we have the physical. The mentality that Noah built, like if you consider Noah building the ark, right? He's there and he's able to hear from God, right? Stay here. Bringing it to a close. The physical is something that many times we focus on. We think, okay, if I want the blessing of God, I've got to action it. And so God says, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And so if he just purely based it on the physical, well, God, I've built the ark, then he would have still missed out. There still needed to be a spiritual dimension. What happens with Christians that only focus on the physical, they burn out. Because, well, I'm working really hard. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm being in ministry and I'm helping out in the church and I give to the poor and I clothe the needy and I do all these physical things. But what happens is you burn out. 
because there's not enough emphasis on the spiritual as well. We can't just base it all on the physical. Say, God, why haven't you blessed me? Because I tithe. Well, I tithe and that's it, but you're not seeking God. You're not doing it with the right heart. So then there are those who are mainly spiritual. They base everything on the spiritual. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in heavenly places. And so we understand this is a dimension that we need to be prepared for, but at the same time, that we're not living in just a spiritual dimension. We're still living in a physical world. And so if you're one of these Christians that are prone to, you know what, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to pray. Let's just pray. Let's just seek God. Let's just wait on God. Let's just, and you're so heavenly minded that you have of no earthly use. You're so up there with the clouds and, uh, uh, you know, up there uh, with, uh, uh, you know, uh, let, let's, just, let's just fast. Let's just fast. A, why not action something? Why not put it into prayer? You know, my husband isn't saved yet. I'm just going to fast for 13 years. No, no, no. <laughs> why not try to witness and share the gospel or at least you know my children just don't want to come to church uh, that means i've just got to you know no, no. why not win them over and love them and care for them and demonstrate god's love and so those that are just always so spiritual that never action anything in this world never really see breakthrough because there's a dimension the romans 8 chapter chapter 8 verse 28 that the bible says we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And so there's purpose and being called by God. And so those two things, the physical and the spiritual, that are brought together, that work together to be able to accomplish what God is trying to establish. And so try to bring this to a, to a close. That God is trying to shape us. God is trying to mold us into His image. He has something greater than we could ever understand. Gideon couldn't see himself as a great deliverer, but God did. It wasn't going to be luck. It wasn't going to just be by chance. God had already placed this in his heart, and it was for Gideon to now put this into place. And so preparation is something that we need to be a part of so we understand when the time calls for God to use our lives, we are ready and we are expecting Him to move. Thank goodness God doesn't write off Gideon after questioning God. I've been there. God, is this really you? God, I'm sorry. I just need a little... Just show me another sign. Just... just before I do this, I'm a little bit, I'm cautious, I'm worried. We've all been there. Thank God God doesn't just write off Gideon. We can learn from this. Don't abuse this again. There's no need to it. If God has spoken it, that means it will come to pass. All we have to do is get busy doing our part. Getting involved physically, spiritually, so that God can move in our circumstances. There is a miracle waiting for each and every one of us. Are you praying and expecting it to happen? Let me close with this story, this amazing story of Isaac Perlman. Isaac Perlman, a child, as a child, uh, had polio. 
and it left Isaac Perlman unable to walk. He had to walk with braces on both legs and crutches. Now, when Perlman played at a concert, he gave himself to the violin. And the journey from the wings of the, uh, to the center of the stage was a long and slow and painful uh, experience. Yet when he played, his talent transcended any thought that he had a physical ailment. Perlman was scheduled to play a very difficult, challenging violin concerto. In the middle of his performance, one of his strings on his violin snapped. With a rifle-like popping noise, that filled the entire auditorium. The orchestra immediately stopped playing and the audience was held collectively uh, together by uh, uh, just sheer chance. The assumption was that he would have to put on his braces, uh, pick up his crutches and leave the stage because he would be unable to perform. Either that or he would have to replace the violin. After a brief pause, Perlman set his violin once again under his chin and singled, signaled the conductor to co continue. One person in the audience reported what happened. He said this, I know it was impossible to play a violin concerto with only three strings. I know that and so do you uh, by that night. Isaac Perlman refused to know it. You could see him uh, uh, modulating uh, sounds that he had never heard before. When he finished, there was an awesome silence that filled the entire room. Then people arose and cheered. Perlman smiled, wiped his brow, and raised his bow of uh, uh, his violin quietly to the, to the sky. He spoke this, not boastfully, but quietly and very persuasive. He said, you know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still play when you only have three strings left. Now, I want you to just consider this. Sometimes things aren't going to go your way. Sometimes things will snap. Sometimes it may turn out like it's impossible to continue. For Gideon, he felt, I can't do this task. But see, with God, the impossible is possible. Don't try to think it's based on luck. Don't try to you know, bring the wrong mentality and say, you know what, maybe somebody else will do it. No, it is up to you. God has chosen you. God has saved you. And therefore, if He saved you, it is your duty to become prepared for the day when He calls upon you. There is an incredible blessing for those who prepare today, who don't leave things to chance, but rather say, Lord, if it is you that is calling me to do this, I am ready and I am available. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments.